It's Lord of the Dance Sexy, and please welcome Richard Herring. Hello, and welcome to the second episode of the Lord of the Dance Seti podcast. Um, I am currently on tour. The tour has restarted. I've been to Colchester, Aylesbury, Exeter, and Cheddar. This week, we'll talk about that a little bit more, but the, all the gigs were lots of fun. Thanks very much for coming, if you did, and there's plenty more gigs coming up this week. Uh, I'll tell you about those later as well. Uh, I want to talk about some of the themes of the show and why I've put things together, uh, and uh, and I have also want to tell, tell you some stories that might have made it into the show if I'd had ten hours to talk about everything, just little background things. I'm going to try and do these on a weekly basis and try and pick up stuff as we go uh, in actual venues and, and record and I'm trying to record the shows to give you any bits that are funny but unfortunately the only one I managed to do was Colchester which is so echoey it's uh, it's not really worth listening to but there was quite a funny bit where I totally forgot where I was uh, in the show uh, during the uh, I've never seen an arse like that or I haven't seen an arse like that for years routine uh, and I tried to cover by drinking some water and explaining that I was trying to cover by drinking some water but in the act of the pantomime of drinking the water was so intense and the explanation that I wasn't even actually thinking about what I could do to rescue the routine uh, I finally managed to remember where I was and then laughed about that and commentated on that as if it was a direct commentary and then forgot where I was again because I'd messed around it was quite funny I guess you had to be there. So, um, Lord of the Dance Seti, it is just a sort of disparate collection of stories, but I, I think that there are sort of some subtle links there. I think, like, most of the reviewers have sort of missed out on this. I think it's... The problem is, I find, you know, I don't want to say in the show this is a clever show, though I found that comedians who do say that they're clever, their audience see how clever they are or think they are and think they're as clever as that comedian because they've spotted everything. But you do sort of have to explain why you're clever. Uh, and I don't really want to do that in the show or even in the podcast, really. But there is mo- there's a bit more of a link to it than it just being a load of stories. Uh, and so I thought I'd try and discuss that a little bit within this podcast. It, it it's, a, it's a slight joke, in a way, to say this because... I just wanted to do some stories that I thought were funny. but Because whenever you're doing a show, whenever you're putting a show together, and obviously most of my shows are more themed than uh, this one, it is about where you are in your life, so you do end up finding thematic devices. And with this show, I think it was... I've, you know, I felt like I've reached a point I'm in, uh, in the middle of my life, hopefully. Uh, I'm 47 years old, uh, and with quite significant uh, life events happening this year, obviously having my baby, and I knew that was at least a possibility even when I started doing the show but certainly when I was right doing the show I knew that my wife was pregnant um but it's also looking back at my career and my life and and so a lot of these routines if you are paying attention are about being sort of 10 years old 8 to 10 years old either me or the people I'm dealing with at 8 or 10 years old and that feeling and then there's being 16 years old which is a different thing when I talk about being on holiday with my friends in Weymouth and then the other, the other, there's a few routines about being 40 and before I met my wife. And then there's obviously routines about now. So it's, it is sort of trying to take account of my personal life and my career without doing that in a, a, a massively obvious way. Um, and what I quite liked about it, a lot of people went, oh, Lord of the Dance Settee, that's just a joke you did in uh, Lee and Herring, as if that I wouldn't have expected people to realise that. Uh, I chose the title because I thought it was a funny title. I thought it would make people laugh, and I think it's good if you can get a joke 
into the title, so that's a, a good start. Although I think a lot of people don't get the joke or don't understand it just on its own and think it's a. Uh, I think in Portsmouth they made some posters of their own and they called it Lord of the Dance Sofa, which uh, on their posters, which shows that some people don't get uh, the joke going on there. But throughout the show, I wanted to, because it's about looking back through my life, I wanted to do little echoes of routines throughout my whole career. So if you are really a massive Richard Herring fan or Leon Herring fan, you might spot some either jokes that I've done before or have been in other forms elsewhere. Um, and Lord of the Dance City, you know, that's obviously was the main one. I thought, well, well I'll start with that. It's a funny joke. I've, I can see how way to expand it and make some more jokes uh, from that idea. It's a, it's a nice sort of crowd-pleasing opening to, to the show though it's not very gaggy I suppose really I realised that as I've done this this week that um, I don't start with gags it's kind of straight in and you have to kind of go along with it And it's but I quite like that it's a gentle start and it, the show sort of builds as a as a result but basically the Lord of the Dance T misunderstanding as Stu said at the time when we did it in the 1990s this joke is you know it's a joke based on a misunderstanding I made when I was five years old and at that time it was you know, twenty-year-old material. Now it's uh, thirty, forty-year-old material, forty-year-old material. Uh, but that's the child. That's the child in me, and also that's the nineteen seventies as well as the nineteen nineties represented. Uh, if you get to the Dave Manager sketch, or oh, stand-up routine, uh, not only do I have, uh, I do the the chicken cottage joke that I think was in either oh fucking forty or Menage and one of those shows. Um, which seemed to fit well into this and also works better now around the country because these shops, the Chicken Cottage, KFC and Nando's are now everywhere, which even 10 years ago when I first did it, they weren't. But that kind of takes us into the 2000, 2000s. Uh, but also the main ba- basis of that routine, um, as well as taking us to the 1980s because it's that's when it happened, is, is from Punk's Not Dead in the 1990s. That's where that routine began its life. Uh, again, I've expanded it. So I wanted anything I took as an old joke, I wanted to add new, more stuff to uh, and expand upon so it wasn't just me doing um, old jokes. But these are, you know, the idea was to just have little echoes of my career going through this and of my life going through this show because the show is about that. It's about it. Uh, and then um, I guess the we've got things, the more, the more modern world is, is, is covered in... Um, in some of these routines uh, that I've, I guess have appeared as metro columns uh, to begin with as well. So that kind of takes us up to the, the modern day. But again, I found using the metro columns quite a useful way of, of getting routines together because um, they, they're 600 words, which is a great way of distilling and getting an idea down into a, a decent length, but also you have to have some precision and economy with that. And then once you get them into routines again, you can mess around with them as the Dave manager one changes every night as I find new things in it. Um, that's my baby crying on the baby monitor. Just hope she's all right. I think she's fine. Um, I, yeah, I, I went to get her. Look, she's here. She's not. She's a little bit grisly. She's just woken up, so it's fine. Don't worry, my baby will be all right. Anyway, here I am and in Colchester backstage talking about what's going on. So it's the 20th of February and uh, I'm back on the road after maybe a month since my last gig and that was the only one that I'd had for quite a while uh, and my first post baby gigs I'm at Colchester Arts Centre which is a gig that I've come to so often that it's in my favourite places on my sat nav so it's easy to come to it's like a church 
uh, in Colchester up above the old city wall. The dressing room I'm in here is quite small and pokey. It's a little kitchenette uh, in the corner of the church. And I always like coming here because you're overlooked by a stained glass window and also by monuments to the Navy and the Army from, I guess, the First and probably Second World Wars. So I look at those two sort of sad, forlorn figures in the corners of my dressing room and think, you know, however bad it goes tonight, my life is not as difficult as... They are very nice here. Uh, there are some chocolate biscuits out. I don't think they're for me, uh, but I've had a couple anyway. So that's been nice to give me a bit of energy. Uh, I am a little bit tired. The baby has been great so far, 10 days into the baby, and uh, to her life, I suppose you would say. Uh, and she hasn't been keeping me awake too much. I can't say that I'm quite firing on all cylinders. But a couple of days ago, I did six miles of running, uh, and that did tire me a little bit. Uh, and apart from yesterday, where she was a little bit difficult, uh, we haven't, it hasn't massively affected my sleep. I've been waking up in the night to change nappies and help feed her, but then going back to sleep. It's been a little bit like a two-week holiday with a baby in tow. She's delightful. She's beautiful. Uh, I'm loving having her. I'm loving her falling asleep on my shoulder. And, and uh, I'm, I'm even enjoying it when she is grouchy and, and angry. But, but I think things will get more tricky with that. But uh, it's been a slightly bad start to the year in tour terms in that my tour manager, George, has had to drop out of the tour due for personal reasons. So. And with everything else going on, there has not really been time to, um, uh, to book anyone else. So I am going to have to drive at least for these first four gigs, which I was a bit worried about. Driving to Colchester on a Friday night is quite a tricky journey, actually, across uh, the M25 and up through London. But I did leave quite early and got here OK. Uh, but then I've got to go to Aylesbury tomorrow and Exeter and then cheddar. So there's a fair amount of driving to do, which I was hoping to avoid. Um, plus everything else, like setting up a show, trying to explain where the queues go and what lights are on, and which, and put all the programmes on the seats, which I still sometimes do, even when George was here. But it'll be interesting to see how less sleep and lots of driving will affect the show. And in other news, I've uh, been eating lots of vegetables and beans and stuff, so I'm doing really bad farts, which is embarrassing because... Loads of people keep coming into the fridges are in here, the washing machine and stuff, and like stuff for the bar. So people keep on coming in and asking me if I'm all right and asking if they can get milk out of the fridge. And I'm aware that I've just done a really disgusting farm. And, you know, that's embarrassing. They'll, that will become my reputation in Colchester as the stinky man. Though I have to say, I'm proud to say that my daughter does incredible farts as well. She looks very like my wife and seems to have none of my DNA, but her farts are exactly the same as mine at the moment. I suppose we're eating the same thing via... She's eating my, the same stuff via my wife. Uh, but uh, And then it's filtered through her bosom somehow. I don't understand how it works. Uh, and comes out as liquid food. It's like a liquidizer, basically, a woman's mammary glands, as I understand it. So anyway, it's always an interesting one when you come back to a show after a month away from it. I'm terrified I'll forget stuff. Not sure if the slight weariness behind everything I've had to do will affect the performance. But Dr. Theatre should get me through... Hopefully I won't guff on stage and pollute the front row, but you never know, I might do. And uh, looking forward to seeing how it goes at Colchester. Oh, there's about 220 in, which is okay. I'm kind of going to keep you up to date with this throughout the tour because sort of my livelihood depends on the tours going well. And uh, I'm, hoping to, I'm hoping to stay steady this year in, in audience numbers. Um, 
because there are so many comedians on tour and I'm such a minor comedian. So getting 220 people anywhere, there may, maybe some walk-up as well, is, is quite good. Though in years past, I have sold out this room, which is a 300-seater. So, you know, that's, uh, if it's over 200, that's still all right. Tomorrow in Aylesbury is going to be more of a struggle, I think. Exeter's looking great, though, so it all balances out. Um, hopefully I can make some money on the tour, pay off my Edinburgh debts, and carry on being a comedian. That's the jeopardy, ongoing jeopardy behind this podcast. I'm going to try and tell you a newish story every week. Apologies that in the first episode I thought what was an, a new story about uh, breaking a window in a caravan by masturbating had in fact been told before. Um, to uh, during as it occurs to me, I believe. So apologies for that, but hopefully it was new to most of you. Uh, this one has a little link up to the show. In the show, I talk about my grand great auntie Eva, who um, was. Uh, uh, the first person who kissed me on my lips when she was in her 90s and funny enough this story links up with that in that um, it happened on the same day I'm almost certain about this this is my memory it's a, bit, a hazy memory of being five years old but I think this happened outside after before or after we'd gone in to see my great auntie Eva and before she kissed me on the lips which you'll have to come and see the show to hear about that uh, but this is a little story about being a child it's not that funny but uh, it is something I don't think I've even written as a blog, but we'll, you know, someone will email in and let me know that I'm wrong about that. I'm five years old and I'm somewhere I've never been before. The grown-ups are all inside, but I'm outside sitting on a, sitting on a grass-covered bank with two, my brother or sister, maybe both of them. I know I wasn't alone, but other than that, my memory is hazy. Whatever, me and him or her or them are examining the bank beneath us in detail. It's covered with clover, and at some point recently I've learned that whilst most clovers have three leaves, there is a rare and magical version of the plant which has four. I desperately want to find one so that my all my dreams and wishes will come true. And what are those five-year-old fantasies? What would I wish for if I found a plant or a genie capable of conferring such powers upon me? Probably not yet infinite wishes. I doubt I was sharp enough to have discovered that little loophole just yet, though doubtless my clever older brother would be all over it. My wishes back then were probably enough more food-based. I know that around that time I badgered everyone with the ability to purchase one to get me a knickerbocker glory yet when my persistence finally paid off and I had that vase of tin fruit and jelly and cream in my greedy grasp I didn't enjoy it and it remained three quarters uneaten splattered with my tears of regret a life lesson learned I also wanted to have a bar of chocolate all to myself that was one of my wishes rather than having to share it with my brother and sister and I also wanted the blonde one from Abba to appear in my bedroom in just her pants even as a five-year-old I was obsessed with that I didn't know why but I knew I wanted in any case the clover was not like a genie. There was no limit to its powers. Once you'd discovered it, and as long as you kept a hold of it and didn't lose it or have it stolen by a jealous sibling, then good fortune was yours forever. Was that the same as wishes being granted? Well, as near as damn it. And even at five, I probably knew I was never going to summon a genie, but a four-leaf clover actually appeared outside of storybooks. It could happen. The search was long and apparently fruitless. I'm learning through repetitious example that clovers are plentiful and th and three-leaved. Hope starts to fade and experience with experience. I'm counting the three leaves and no more for what seems like hours, but I'm five. It's probably three minutes. Perhaps my brother or sister or both occasionally cry out, pretending they found the chlorophyll-filled treasure but we, that we seek, but they're lying or have merely forged their own hybrid four-leaf clover by taking one leaf of two three-leaf clovers and fusing them together between their thumb and forefinger. 
I don't remember this happening, but it must have. They must have done it. My siblings, the children, my siblings are the children who cried four-leaf clover. And every time the lie is perpetuated again, I lose a slither of my belief in magic. Except that now I'm counting leaves on the clover, and I've got to three, but there's more leaf to count. Have I accidentally done what my sibling did on purpose and confused the leaves of two close-growing clover neighbours? I isolate the tiny plant and count again. It has four leaves. I pick it up and hold it aloft. I've found one. They exist. I'm lucky. I keep it in my pocket and later in a special tin. Except I'm not entirely sure that my brother or sister didn't actually find it and give it to me. I think I remember the discovery, but perhaps I've merely convinced myself of that. Then we're called back into the gathering. At least my neural pathways connect these two events. I suppose it must have been a birthday celebration for my great auntie Eva. Actually, my great great auntie Eva. I was quite impressed with her because she was my oldest living relative. In fact, when she died just a few years later, at the age of 99, I bawled my eyes out at the news. My mum and gran were surprised I'd taken her demise quite so seriously before I sobbed, but I wanted to be related to someone who was 100 years old. For me, the tragedy was not that she was dead, merely that she'd been struck down so fantastic tantalisingly close to her century though my parents told me that she did get to her century so I may have misremembered that my grandma of course did become 102 uh, and I don't know what happened to the four leaf clover it just disappeared and that was that so that's just about it for this time I'll tell you a little bit more about what happened this week before we go and I'll, I'll tell you what's coming up in the tour so I did Colchester which was a fantastic gig apart from me forgetting where I was uh, which is often the way with a with a new show coming back to the next day to Aylesbury, which I wasn't massively looking forward to, but was it was a smallish audience. It was just over 100 in, uh, but they were really great. And it was a Saturday night in Aylesbury. Uh, I discovered a new bit where I could get a local reference in where I'm where the audience aren't impressed with something I tell them. And then I, I start, I'm not, I've started now to pick something quite obscure about the town that isn't that impressive. Uh, and then, yeah, with it. So in Aylesbury, it was, yeah, we had the uh, great train robbery trials were held in Aylesbury, so we're not impressed with your stupid story. Um, and the next day in, in Exeter, I'd, I'd managed to Google by notable things in Exeter. And what came up quite near the top was that a new IKEA was being built in Exeter, which they love me mentioning. Uh, and in Cheddar, I mentioned the fact uh, that they, they have Jacob's Ladder, which is some steps up the hill, so they're not impressed by me. Uh, being involved being kissed by by an old woman which is basically what that bit's about um and uh, in Exeter there was over 300 people which was great even though Dylan Moran was also on and in Cheddar a uh, uh, prophet in, in uh, genius is never recognized in their own hometown and uh, 120 people came to see me there but it was again it was a lovely gig apart from it's quite a mixed audience of lots of ages and my parents are there and so it's always a bit of a quiet one comparatively and I sort of think oh no they haven't got it but at the end they all seem to like it and I saw some old friends from school uh, at that one, which was nice. And then I drove home and uh, I'd kissed my daughter every single day of her life uh, up until I went on tour and uh, I managed to kiss her. It like I came back from most of the gigs. Uh, I stayed over after Exeter and Cheddar and um, I uh, thought I wasn't going to be able to kiss her on the... I already kissed her on the Sunday on the way to Exeter, but I hadn't thought I'm not going to be able to kiss her on the Monday night because I'll be in Cheddar. But then I came back from Cheddar and I didn't think I'd get back in time. But as I was racing home uh, in the speed limit, my sat-nav was going, you know, you're going to get there at 5 to 12. So thinking I, I might be able to kiss my daughter on this day. And then it turned out the M4, uh, the junctions 1 to 3 were closed. And then suddenly my time was like 10 past 12. Like, I'm not going to quite make it. But somehow I picked up the time, even that to drive down back lanes. And I arrived at home at 11.58 jumped out of the car, ran upstairs and kissed my daughter with one minute to spare. So I've kissed her every single day of her life. And that's the only person I can say that of. 
Uh, unfortunately, that's only going to last until Friday when I will be in Wolverhampton between Nottingham and Wolverhampton and there'll be no way of kissing her. So, you know, it's always going to be a fool's errand, but it's nice that I'm going to, I've got to the two-week point of, of kissing my lovely daughter, who is now downstairs with her mum and asleep at this point uh, of the podcast. Uh, so what's coming up, if you're interested? I don't know how interesting this uh, podcast is. I don't think it's going to get any new people who haven't already seen the show or are going to come anyway, but... Just in case you've been, your interest has been piqued by this slightly dull podcast, the show is a lot funnier than this. I'll tell you what's coming up in the tour. So we've got um, Friday, the, oh, sorry, Thursday the 26th of February, my brother's birthday. I'll be at the Glee Club in Nottingham, not because it is my brother's birthday. Uh, the 27th of February, I'll be at the Wolverhampton Civic, and that's the place I'd really like to play the massive room in Wolverhampton one day, but I'm, I'm currently in the second smallest room, the Slade Room, named after Slade. Uh, so I usually sell that out, so hopefully that will sell out. But it's a lovely room and the, and one of the one of my favourite places to go. Fantastic staff there. Twenty eighth of February, Salford Keys. Again, that usually sells out. It might be sold out already. That's a nice big venue, and that one is also lots of fun. And then the first of March, another great gig, Jolly Little Theatre, run by fans. Uh, really good audience there. So I'm looking forward to that little run uh, of gigs. Nottingham. Weirdly, when I played the Playhouse in Nottingham, I was sometimes getting six or seven hundred people there. But since I've gone to the Glee, it, it's gone down to about a hundred. So uh, I think that theatre just had a fantastic main list. There probably will be seats left for Nottingham. But if you one of my fans who used to come to see me in in the Theatre Royal in Nottingham, why not come down to the Glee Club and see me there? Uh, I don't know how it's going, but uh, it's a it's a great town for comedy Nottingham as well. One of lots of happy memories there. Plus the Tales of Robin Hood, of course, used to be there. You are now about to leave behind your humdrum lives, which I always mention when I'm in Nottingham. Uh, I don't know if I'll have a tour manager. I haven't got that sorted out yet. I hope so. There's a lot of driving in that bit. But then part of me thinks, you know, well, I've got through the first four punk gigs on my own. Maybe I can do a few more. Save myself, you know, over a thousand quid probably over those four days if I don't take a tour manager with hotels and paying them and all those sort of things. Anyway, so Brighton and Crawley coming up. Uh, Maidenhead, Canterbury, Reading. It goes onwards. Didcot. You can go to richherring.com slash L-O-T-D-S slash tour to find out if I'm coming near to you. If not, just enjoy these podcasts. Maybe when the DVD comes out, you can watch the shows and see what I'm talking about a little bit. Uh, I'll be back hopefully next week with some more stories of what's been happening on the road. I I think now being a father has turned me a bit soppy and weird and soft-headed. I was listening as I drove to Colchester to the radio and the song Dance Yourself Dizzy came on and... uh, for some reason, I just kind of was massively impressed with it. It's not a song that I like. I don't really like disco. I just found it incredibly impressive that uh, this song had about three or four hooks, which are all great. Just even the, the verse tonight, do 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 tonight, do 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 tonight, and then they just syncopated like that. It's so clever. So I think having a uh, child has warped me and changed me in uh, and softened me in a horrific way, which will have. Awful uh, consequences on my comedy, but that doesn't matter for the moment because at the moment I am still doing comedy that I wrote before I had a child. So come and see this show while you can uh, before all of my comedy is this boring and uh, self-indulgent. It always was rich. Oh, come on. Come on. That's not on. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with more of these next week, hopefully, if you enjoy them. If you don't, let me know and I will stop doing them. So see you at Nottingham. Wolverhampton, Salford and Chorley this week. Thank you. Bye-bye.
world was begun I danced in the moon and the stars and the sun I came down from heaven and I danced on earth At Bethlehem I had my birth So dance and wherever you may be I am the lord of the dance and And I'll lead you all wherever you may be And I'll lead you all in the dance and tree I dance with the scribe and the fan